Welcome to Taz Racing's Week in Review podcast, a look at recent thoroughbred action in Tasmania. I'm Matt Reid on behalf of tazracing.com.au and we concluded the 2020-2021 season in Hobart on Sunday with an eight-race program. Scott Brunton and John Luttrell saddled up about half of the runners on the day and between them they had six winners, four for Scotty to give him 94 for the year and a double for John Luttrell. A very timely treble for Cody Jordan not only ended a lean patch for her in terms of winners but delivered her an outright win for the Apprentice's title. That was in fact the program on Sunday that Apprentice's dominated, uh, winning six of the eight races. The track started as a soft five out here on Sunday. It was downgraded after race three to a soft six, but it was a day where being on speed was probably an advantage. And despite the decent track rating, we saw some fairly significant margins. And I suspect the track will be used as an excuse for a lot of the poor efforts in comparison to market expectation. The market was bang on in the first race of the day with favourite Saz Finale, $3 into two seventy, sitting outside the leader in a race that looked over about halfway through. Uh, Dave Perez was the $1.40 favourite for the Jockey Challenge, but this was his only winner for the day. Uh, look, this was the first win for Sav's finale at the distance and at the short-ish price, I was happy to, to look elsewhere. I'm not sure this win does a heap to dispel any thoughts on the winner past 1,200, but it does show just how well Scott Brunton has him going this campaign. He's been super at his last three starts. On a day where on pace was favoured, the effort of Ruetica to come from last in the second had merit, but... We had three market fancies here. Flourishing Future, who was as much as $18 when they first posted markets, got into $7. Jeremiah, $5. And Galway Girl, who again was a big drifter, started about six fifty. They were all beaten in excess of 10 lengths in this race, which does very little to instill any punter confidence. As nothing in their recent form suggested that they should go that poorly, particularly Jeremiah and Flourishing Future, who raced in Hobart last start and, and raced well. So... Sure, you can maybe put it down to the track, but it makes it a bit of a guessing game, um, which, look, you, you really hate playing from a punting perspective. The high benchmark grade races, I mentioned it in previous podcasts, but if, you, if you're looking at races sort of in that high benchmark rating around the 78, we're just seeing time in and time out that they're not holding up in terms of numbers. And I think it's doing very little to, I guess, aid the chances of some of our better horses when they head into state. The, the first race of the day here um, was benchmark 78 over 1,400 metres. We had seven runners here. Saz Finale was the winner. We had another benchmark 78 on this program, which was over 2,100 metres. There were eight runners in that race, but I'll touch on how strong that was a little bit later. And if I go back through the other Benchmark 78s over the last month. Uh, last week in Devonport or the 18th in Devonport, we had a benchmark 78 there with just four runners. Ethical Dilemma won that the week before, uh, which was also in Devonport, a, a 1650 78, just five runners. Upwind was the winner there, a 1350 on the same program, five runners and beyond that won that. Uh, you go back to the prior Hobart program before this one, you had another four-runner field in a benchmark 78 over 2,100. Saz Finale won a 1,200-metre benchmark 78 on the program with seven runners. And back towards the end of late June, back up in Devonport, a, a benchmark 78 over the mile won by Amalward, had just six runners, and, and date night won a 13.50 on the program with six runners as well. So you've had nine benchmark 78s in the last 
sort of month. Only one of them had a third dividend for each way punters, which was the final race on this program. And I'll get to how weak that was a little bit later. So look, we've got a real lack of horses in that higher grade benchmark rating. And and as I said, you're essentially getting 78s, which aren't really truly run 78s. And then for horses that are in that higher bracket that maybe are forced interstate to find races. Uh, in recent times, we saw Ambion at Caulfield on Saturday. I've seen in, uh, Vita Manette. Uh, recently at Sandown and even the inevitable on the same program is a lot higher than a, a 78 grade, but forced interstate to find races. The grounding of these benchmark races here in Tassie, you can't blame connections for looking to pick them off, but look, they're nothing more than 78s in name only. And I don't think it's providing a very strong grounding for those horses going interstate, such as and beyond who looked pretty plain there on Saturday. Race two, well, Tassie O'Reilly has been a frustrating horse to follow since arriving in the state, but finally rewarded its followers with a win. I spoke to Glenn Stevenson before the race, who wasn't expecting this result, and that's probably why the horse was 310 out to $5 for a stable, which, as I've said before, don't mind having a bet if they think one is going to run well. This got the uh, proverbial monkey off the back of Cody Jordan, who had a dream run here, trucked into the race behind a pair in front who went very hard, set up an overall time that was a length quicker than the 1,400-metre class one, despite a final 600 that was about 10 lengths slower. Tassie O'Reilly just had to win the race here with how things panned out, and I'm inclined to think that this may have been the horse's Christmas, but uh, no doubt I'll, he'll get some confidence with this win. Big run here was the one I found for the staking strategy under his eye, nine into six dollars. Uh, set fire to in front by Rubestone or Rubstone, who was at any old price, and that horse couldn't even make it to the home turn and dropped out to finish a distant last. That left under his eye a sitting shot and, and boxed on to run second placing, but had that speed battle not ensured, I'm, I'm sure he would have run won the race. Favourite I'm back was two thirty into two dollars, so plenty were happy to be forgiving of the last start where he certainly didn't run like a horse that would be even money this time around. He was only fair here. I didn't think there were any real excuses, but his last four hundred and two hundred were the fastest of the race, so took a while to wind up and is maybe looking for the mile next start. Same can be said for Stable Mate the Executive. It was five out to five fifty, although a bit shorter than that when they first went up, finished fifth and, and $41 outsider Auntie Flory ran a, a cheeky race for fourth. It's a maiden here, though, where the Quinella had 20 starts without a win leading in. So I don't think the next superstar of Tassie Racing will be in this field. Not black booking it, but under his eye was stiff and will go very close with a similar performance next start. Tazracing.com.au's new Form Plus Pro gives you even more data on all Tasmanian thoroughbred racing. Subscribe to the ultimate Tasmanian form source today. Form Plus Pro by tazracing.com.au. Race three was a two-year-old handicap where Scott Brunton saddled up half the field, including three first starters, and it was the outsider of his quartet who knocked punters over. Vibano, who was 18 out to $21 on the Taz Racing official price, but did open a fair bit shorter than that. Uh, the market didn't really like the filly, but it was a tough win and a second success for the Alpine Eagle progeny for the season. Georgie Catania led on neutralise here, but her desire to race well away from the inside left a gap big enough to drive a truck through for Troy Baker, who had gate one 
on the winner, Verbano, and, and hunted inside runs after settling back early. Uh, the winner looked beaten off early in the straight, but came again in, in what was a very impressive win. I thought the horse trialled well enough, Verbano, and I was really surprised here to see such big price discrepancies between the three first starters from the Brunton stable. If you if you saw my assess prices in the pro plan, I had them much closer, but the market really singled out, moved like Jagger here as the clear pick of that trio, which ultimately wasn't the case. Neutralised perhaps got a bit lost in the home straight after leading and seemed to come again when a horse loomed to her outside, and that horse was Cur de Leon, who, if you look at the Taz Racing official prices, was a dollar eighty out to two fifteen, but they opened that horse $3.50 on Saturday, uh, much to the surprise of most, myself included, who thought he should have been a clear favourite in the race. Very tough watch on Coeur de Leon. Drew a wide gate, but was never better than three and four wide without cover. And I suspect that tired run told when he loomed to win in the straight. Uh, decent gap then back to, to moves like Jagger in fourth, who was solid enough debut and I'll be respecting the fact he started a pretty firm $3 elect here particularly given the early move for Kurt Leon so clearly there's an opinion of moves like Jagger and we'll keep that in mind wherever he pops up next Race four, the Brunton domination through the first half of the card continued. He had the Quinella here, but not in the order that most would have expected. Spicewood with Brandon Louie in the saddle sat outside the leader and proved too strong. Uh, betting flux for this race are a bit all over the shop as Nico the Greek, who was about a $2.40 chance, very solid on debut, was scratched at the barriers, which left some sizable deductions. Uh, look, the favourite here, particularly after the late scratching, was Keeper's Touch. I made him my best of the day, and there were no real excuses. A bit slow out, but hunted up behind the leader, peeled off heels to make a run in the straight, but could only take minor ground off Spicewood in the run to the line. At the prior start, Keeper's Touch was wide for the trip and beat home Spicewood, so it's fair to say between that pair that the winner probably went forward and the other backwards a bit, particularly given the margin on the line. Uh, and look, not potting the right at all here of Georgie Catania, but it's been a frustrating few months for Georgie in terms of winners. She's now two for her last 50. Her only winner since the end of May was Flourishing Future on the 4th of July. From this race, I'm taking Keeper's Touch out of the black book and adding in Powerful Pebbles. Powerful Pebbles is a filly I've backed in each of its first two starts where it settled a mile back and, and rattled home. She wasn't quite as far back here, but was also wide and still had the fastest last 600, 400, and 200 of the race. I don't think she's a kid's horse, so part of the reason I wasn't keen here was the fact that Cody Jordan took over from Troy Baker, and, and I also think she'll need further than 1,200 metres. I'm not sure where she goes to, as the carpet will be tough for a horse that seems to give big starts, but I definitely think she has ability and will be winning races, particularly when she can put herself a little bit closer early on. So powerful pebbles goes into the black book. Quaddy leg one saw a bit of a boil over when Don't Buck Me Off, who was $13 out to 19 on the Taz Racing official price, guaranteed Cody Jordan at least a share of the Apprentice's title with her second win of the day. The strategic agenda was a scratching on race morning here. I don't think they could find a rider. And, and even though only a $26 chance, it it coming out changed the race up a bit as strategic agenda probably would have led. And this, this ended up being a real crawl in front. Cody led on Don't Buck Me Off, but almost seemed reluctant to do so. And, and the top eight 
fastest last 400 metre sectionals of the day all came from this race, including the winner, who despite leading actually had the fastest last 400 metres of the day off Stride Master. So this race was a bit of a crawl early and sprint home. And given a pattern which favoured those on speed, it certainly played out well for the leader. Don't buck me off. The overall time was about two lengths faster than the maiden win of Spicewood, which was the other 1,200-metre race. Look, it's easy to make a case here that the winner was over the odds, particularly given a pattern of being on speed and the fact that he wasn't beaten far last start. He also has a very good 1,200-metre record. Just don't buck me off. So I'm not sure whether he keeps going, Johnny Luttrell, with this horse uh, or or tips him out. He often will at least have a look at the carpet with him, but uh, he's done a good job to work through his grades this campaign has don't buck me off this race was billed as essentially being uh between curaset and Brinktop lad who rounded out the trifecta and look curaset was a very unlucky runner settled midfield but when erica bernberg wanted to make a run early in the straight there was no gaps she switched off heels when it was too late and, and hit the front just after the post rather than before uh interesting market this one Brinktop lad was uh, favourite early, then they switched round. Curaset was favourite. Then at the death, it went the other way. Curaset was 2.30 out to 3.10 late, and the market eventually settled on Brinktop Lad, 3.10 into 2.60 as favourite. Look, given the favours that the winner had, it's hard to say that Curaset shouldn't have won the race. Um, Brinktop Lad, who was hard up against the inside, didn't really seem to be a huge negative for the day. Lost no real admirers, was only beaten 0.3 lengths. I think certainly second and third are probably the progressive horses in the race with due respect to the winner. Uh, the market identified that and look of the beaten brigade, probably fourth through to seventh. Their time will come soon enough, but just needs the brakes to fall their way as it did for the winner here. Don't buck me off. 600 left to travel. They start to pack up front. Lamonda Lucas went through on the inside to join the leaders, but there's a host of them there. Sunset Gun letting go out wide with Robin Island. My Diana just dropping off the pace, making ground. Nevis Boy, Seguimientos, and further back to Punk Princess and My Diana in the home straight. Sunset Gun out wide has reached the lead. Nevs Boy coming with a good run. Seguimientos, Sunset Gun whacking away from Robin Island. At wide on the track, though, Nevs Boy and Seguimientos are going to fight it out. Nevis Nev's boy, Seguientos, Seguientos, Nev's boy, then Sunset Gun, Nev's boy, the outside is going to get up on the outside, Nev's boy, Nev's boy, that's a treble now for Jordan. All honours to the win of Nev's boy, we just heard Cole's call, delivered a treble for Cody Jordan and a race-to-race double for Johnny Luttrell. A really big win here and what turned out to be a bit of a swoopers race, uh, it was the first of the day where they really did come from off the speed. Pretty significant drifter, Nev's boy, 3.20 out to 4.80, even though his maiden win had already been franked by this stage of the day with Spicewood and Keeper's Touch running the Quinella earlier on. Uh, Settled midfield did Nev's boy, but wide, and I don't think Cody really had a heap of cover. Forced very wide on the home turn, Nev's boy knuckled down, and perhaps thankfully for him, one in the same colours, Seguimentos, who was 9.50 in the $7, but has now won only one of 25, was the horse that Nev had to slug it out with late, and and the runner-up has a knack for finding one better. The maiden win of Nev's boy was impressive, but the way he won here against the pattern of the day was perhaps even better, even though the slow overall time was a a length behind the maiden win of Tazio O'Reilly, I think, this win had a lot of merit for Nev's boy. 
Sunset Garden was one of the on paces here that stuck on best for third. Uh, we had a black booker in this race. It was one I was fairly keen on too. Rising Light, I took $6 about on Saturday and, and it was three fifty come jump time. Pretty awful viewing here, back and wide, never on the track and still kept coming to run fourth and actually finished the race quite well, even though uh, Dave Perez basically sat up on it for the last 100 metres. Certainly happy to stick with him, even though the bookies got our money here. Ladbrokes new bet ticker now available. Watch the exclusive live feed on your Ladbrokes app and see where the big bets land. Get the down low on the download. Ladbrokes Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Without a shadow of a doubt for me, the ride of the day was delivered by Erica Burn-Burke on Champs again to take out the second last race, which was a benchmark 66 over the mile. EBB was back and three wide halfway through the race, but look, compare her ride here to the likes of Coeur de Leon and Rising Light earlier in the day who were in very similar positions. Uh, EBB went back here and saved ground on the inside, a move that was exacerbated by all other riders scouting to the outside half of the track, and in the blink of an eye, the horse went from nearly last to first on the home turn. Look, I think when the rails on the track in Hobart is anywhere near true, given it's almost a 30-metre wide track, and look, it was four metres on Sunday, this is a prime example of how much extra ground that horses will cover if there's a theory that the outside rail is where you need to go. We saw on this program quite a few winners poking up the inside, so it's easy for me to say, and I'm not a jockey, although I'm probably the size of quite a few of them. Uh Trying to go around the runners, you need a fair bit more horse than looking to go through or even poking up the inside. And look, all un- honours to the ride here of Erica Burnburke on Champs again. The ride certainly won the race. That said, uh, Champs again was beaten out of sight here last start. So chalk this up to a, another one where it was a bit of a guessing game in terms of whether the horse would rebound or what was the real excuse for the poor run last time. So... This is a problem we've sort of got with betting in Hobart at the moment. It's just hard to trust what you see and you've got to guess uh, a little bit, which is certainly not what you want to do from a punning perspective. But Champs, again, was solid here around $5 for most of betting uh, and was a big turnaround from last start. Just wore down the leader here, Born Magic, who was also around 5 bucks and backed up her last start performance. The Quinella had over three lengths on both Dunmining and Pool Harbour, who probably needed this one over the distance if you look at their lead-up form. Big disappointment here was the favourite. We deserve this. A big drift to late, 2.15 out to 2.90. Maybe he's had enough this campaign, but there was a late jockey change here. David Prez was stood down after race six. Siggy Carr was the pickup rider, and, and a very good one is Siggy, but if you've taken the short odds about a horse, these types of setbacks from a punting perspective are far from ideal, particularly given... Day Perez is the is the rider that had, had ridden We Deserve This to its two previous victories. The last race, well, total blowout for punters here. I spoke about these higher benchmark races. You've got Costero here, who's a 54 rater in a benchmark 78, who had not run a placing in its last nine starts and romps to a five-length win. It was $41 into $26, so clearly a, a few people knew a bit more than me and thought Costero uh, would be bouncing back to a bit of form, but it also speaks to the quality of the race. The patient ride here from Yannish Luxman back in the field and the horse 
ultimately had panels on them. Irish Shotgun ran second, a clear leader early, and they grabbed him on the home turn, but did stick on to run second. So that effort had merit. But look, another one here where if you look at the favourite, Ladernier fee, $2.70, and dead heated with Irish Shotgun at its previous start, but was beaten 15 lengths here and finished 10 lengths behind the horse that it uh, dead heated with at the prior start. So just make of that what you will. But uh, apparently Costero doesn't handle the synthetic, so I guess the benchmark 60, 2100 metres will be the next target here on 8th of August. And if you can believe it, that there are only two horses in this benchmark 78 were in fact rated more than 60. So basically the entire field can target that benchmark 60, 2100 next start. And I guess just keep in mind that the fact Costero has won a benchmark 78 does not do anything for the actual quality of race that this was. So the final meeting for the season done and dusted. A big congratulations to Dave Perez, Scotty Brunton and Cody Jordan on their relevant premierships. Very much deserved. Uh, look, a fairly dirty day for my staking strategy, but um, unlike other Hobart meetings where I sort of thought, well, I just got those races wrong. I actually don't think I got a heap of races wrong here. My staking strategy finished second in the first five races, so on another day we probably have a fill-up. Blackbook runners here were adding in powerful pebbles from race four. Very happy to stick with Rising Light, who we did our cash on here. And Dun Mining's been a black booker now since its first up run. It stays in here. I think uh, this run at the mile will top it off for a similar distance rage next start. And we're making a mental note of the SPs of moves like Jagger, who you'll see in form guides, and Nico the Greek, who you won't, who was scratched from race four, but was rock solid around that $2.30 mark. So one more meeting to go in Hobart before the track gets a breather until Caulfield Cup Day, uh, based on the number of up and down performances we're getting and, and the doubt that puts in the mind of punters. I, I certainly think the break will be needed. We're off to Devonport on Sunday, 136 nominations across those eight races. So we should get some pretty good fields and a competitive day of racing. First one for the new season. So let's hope it starts well. Thanks for your company on another episode of The Week in Review. I look forward to reviewing this weekend's action from Devonport.